0: Okay, here we go. Now I'm going to take a sip of water first, actually.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Woo! Third Degree, the Third Degree That Podcast.
2: Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Third Degree listeners, through the end of this month, get 25% off on your orders at Soccer90.com. FC Dallas, U.S. national team, international stuff. They got everything. I can't think of anything I've ever wanted, that they didn't have. Soccer90 has got it all. Scarves, tees, jerseys. That's the key to the jerseys. Make your order today, Soccer90.com. Use code Third Degree. 25% off through the end of January.
0: Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 194, it says in my long-lost, beloved red crayon run sheet right here in front of me of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, once again, it is me, Peter, tagging along with my two buddies in crime. First off, Dan Crook. Howdy, hey, Dan. Hey, welcome back. Thank
3: you, sir. It's good thank to hear
0: your, your, your you so English lilt. Thank you for
3: saving us. I, I didn't save you from anything. Then uh, you, you haven't listened to the last couple.
0: Oh, come on, that's hard. I think Owen was awesome.
3: Well, uh, not Owen, but just just when Buzz and I were kind of trudging through it. Oh, the two of you are
0: perfectly fine. You're not. You're giving. You're doing yourself a disservice, sir. You guys are great. There's more Dan when I'm not around, and that's a good thing, Mister Crook. Whether you like it or not. Uh, And, of course, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of Third Degree, all that stuff, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Hey, buddy.
2: Hi, Peter. Uh, Thank you, indeed, for coming back. Uh, It is more professional when you are here. And, by the way, since you just mentioned it was episode 194, I quickly counted episode 200, unless we fumble the ball, will be... The episode immediately following the home opener this year, so that'll be kind of oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool. We got to figure out how to make it special, but
0: yeah, there you go. Uh, Yeah, we'll have to have uh, fancy hats made or something. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, party hats. Um, Okay, guys, so it's been obviously a long time since I've participated in this conversation, mostly because I was uh, eyeballs deep in World Cup stuff. And then I went on vacation. And if I'm being 100% honesty honest with you guys, uh, I have been doing the FC Dallas Curious Faithful a disservice because I I have largely tuned out for the last, I'd say, six, eight weeks on all things Football Club Dallas. So uh, I need one of you or both of you to please quickly catch me up on where we are as we launch into season number twenty, whatever it is.
2: Oh man, Um, I I know you were pretty busy doing some little small tournament soccer tournament. Not really sure where you were, but um, uh, uh, not honestly, it was weird. Not a lot happened other than Matt Hedges departing, and then shockingly, Frank O'Hara departing early. Uh, nothing really, all that much has happened since you, since you left, to be honest. I mean, the, the team hasn't really added remarkably uh, noteworthy pieces, uh, you know, a, a right back depth piece, a couple of draft picks, a couple of guys from North Texas. But it really is hard to say that the team is not exactly where it was at the end of last season, even, let alone when you stopped coming around for a bit because of the World Cup.
0: It it Dan, does it make uh make me a bad fan to tell you and be honest that the news of Matt and or Franco I'm largely indifferent to on both counts?
3: Um, no. I mean the the Matt thing is really an emotional response by most people. Yeah. I mean, a thirty two year old player that just came off a broken hip, that's always a Tough one, right? Um, where Frank Harry was leaving now, he was leaving in the summer. He was going one way or the other. So yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for being indifferent to it.
0: I mean, I want the best for Matt, but obviously, it's one of those stories where it comes a time where a club has to make a decision. And I, and as much as I love the dude and he is a club legend, I do think this was the right decision. Frankly, not just for the club, but for him, too, because he, he obviously got a big old fat deal to go move to Canada. Uh, and he'll probably love living in Toronto, uh, at least for however long the rest of his career lasts, which I hope is a long time.
2: Yeah, we and have it, to we have to assume that he's gotten more money than he would have gotten here. I mean, we would have loved to have him here as a, what was effectively going to be a backup season. You know, that's probably why they were uh, almost certainly why they were looking to reduce the number he was on. Um, if he's got a chance to start for Toronto, that's great. That They like veterans that cost a lot of money. That's great, too. Um, I don't think the nice part, if you're an FC Dallas fan, is that no bridges were burned on his way out of town. So this is a guy that in a couple of years can come back to this organization in whatever capacity you feel is appropriate. I, I for one, would like him to be a, an academy coach because that's what he was interested in being. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, whatever way, I think there's a, this is a guy that will be – back here someday i I don't i don't think there's there i mean i know there weren't any negative feelings when he left so um you know overall this is the kind of move that you have to be a bit ruthless about things in terms of your team building this and the frank o'hara moves show that that's here the case here this team has opened up themselves to whatever options become available to them as they go forward and that's what you want to do when you're trying to build a franchise to hopefully potentially win something
0: yeah, and the onus is now on the club to find his proper replacement, and I, whether or not that exists currently on the roster is due to come in the form of a larger signing, I, I think is obviously T, uh, TBD, but the other news that you mentioned, the Frank O'Hara one, that was um, uh, fascinating news, and the background on the story about how long they had been working on that, uh, I found to be very um uh, satisfying like it to, to, to find out that they've actually been trying to figure out how to get from underneath that deal for as long as they have and then to figure out a way to get out from underneath that deal before the season starts I think is a huge huge piece of news before the start of the season
2: yeah one of the things you hear technical directors say is you know we've been working on and lining up plans for our next moves you know well before the season previous ended season ended and that's always kind of a lip servicey thing that they just sort of say well then you hear, that you know, when they get to the season-ending exit interviews, as they do with every player to tell them you know where they are and what the plans are and all that kind of stuff, that he immediately tells Frank O'Hara, it really hurts us that you're not leaving now, and we will do everything we can to expedite you getting you out now. That kind of proactiveness is really exciting to hear directly. You always hope that that's the case, but to actually hear and see a direct consequence of that is really good. Now, of course, the question is, Did they also have in mind what they would do to fill his shoes? Because you need a veteran nine because your other one is we'll come back to the nine in a minute, but there's four or five between the hedges move and the, and the federal move. You now have three or four other things you'll need to do. Okay. Are they ready now? Are this going to wait a while? Are we evaluating? This is the next step of that. What seemed like a very positive, proactive start to the winner in terms of the getting rid of pieces, just. Now we got to get the get get pieces in and make this seem better pieces.
0: It's uh, it is good news, and I think at the end we all our opinions about uh, Franco shifted and changed and morphed as time went by. I, obviously, the on field product never turned out to be what it, we wanted, but I do think he had his. Uh, his positive elements to his time here. But the other thing that happened, in fact, this just happened, I guess it was yesterday, that really caught me off guard was the announcement that they have signed Paxton Pomacall to a new four-year-long deal. And I was under the impression that he had just signed a, a relatively long deal not that long ago. Was
2: it already time, Buzz, for Paxton to get a new
0: uh, stack of cash?
2: Uh, almost. He was in the final year of his of his fat deal he got which at first when it kicked in was like at 600k and then over the couple years it's gone up a little bit he was in the final year of that and then he had a one-year option for 2024 the club option so this new deal uh, replaces the last year this season of his original deal and then carries it out for three more years and then adds a Um, bonus on the end so now he's rather being locked up through this year with an option for 24 he's now locked up through 26 with an option for 27 presumably the numbers work in a sense of perhaps they help the team in some way you know but more likely it helps paxton in some way something he was looking for whether it be security of carrying him through till he's 26 27 because he basically is however old the year is is how old he is if that makes sense He's 26 in 2026. That's, that's what I mean. 27 and 2027. So there must have been some incentive for him. I don't know if security is enough because they would have had him with the option for next year anyway. So really there must have been something else. Maybe it's a straight raise, perhaps. We'll we'll find out in you know May ish when the MLSPA comes out. Because there's, you know, not in big picture, like, oh no, that's crazy terms, but There's another side of this we need to figure out why did paxton want to extend other than of course he just loves fc dallas
0: yeah dan i'm wondering is this some sort of like uh, ever so subtle or maybe not so subtle signal that paxton either a has decided that this is his career uh long term and he's not thinking about moving overseas or b is this one of those deals that the club and the player put together to maybe make them oddly more attractive overseas because they have that kind of meatier deal that makes them at least as, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like gives them, gives the sense that they're they're worth more because they're getting paid more, especially as, as we find out and we'll talk about here in a minute, he's starting to uh, rejoin the national team and things like that.
3: Oh, it's wholly possible, especially if he picks up uh, mid cycle, you know, if they take him to the end of that, if they take him to that extent, um, sorry, option year, well, his value's nothing. He can go for free. Um, so, yeah, it would definitely make sense to lock him up a little bit early. You know, this is after all the year that, um, you know, if we're talking about a two-year recovery, this is the first year that Paxton's going to be Paxton. He's already, you know, getting a, a look on the national team again. Uh, you know, it's it's also... It could just be... Uh, a vote of confidence from the, from the club. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard some people say, "Hey, give him the armband," um, and yeah, and, and we're we're right there with you. We've talked a little bit about the idea of if they do bring in any players, that could be the end of Paxton starting. So maybe you know there was an urgency there to kind of lock him up. Uh, could be any a number of reasons, really. Buzz, does it? What does it? does it
0: change anything for you or surprise you if the answer turns out to be that Paxton has just decided that he's an MLS guy or an MLS lifer or an Mm -hmm. FC Dallas lifer, does that change anything for you in your uh, point of view
2: or feelings about Paxton better or worse? No, not really. I I think also that you can, for a guy who wants to be here too, and wants to be really good here, as he's always stated there, he will hit his prime career, right as this deal's ending. So maybe he's, you know, he might've come to terms with the idea that I'm not going at 20, but if I, at like 26, 27, then I can make that one shot. I can go over for three years and then come back kind of vibe. That That's a very serviceable career. That's a good career. He's not gonna be, you know, the going over at 18 and going all the way up. That's not gonna happen now. But, you know, he always has had a great love for this franchise. We've always talked about, you know, they're when you're looking at Europe, you know, they got a million dudes that are 5'7 and can ball. You know, it's not it's not the Brian Reynolds 6'3 track star that really appeals to European clubs. So there always was a little bit of a, I'm not going to call it a negative, but there was a little bit of a um, opportunity, lack of opportunity for him because of the fact that he is so similar to a million players they have. So all it really does, this contract does to me, is say that the club is highly invested in him at – now because this comes post move to the linking eight position moving back further back down the field a little bit from that playmaking well it's no longer a 10 that free eight kind of style which is where paxton when he was younger was his favorite position but i think you know we all recognize the defensive qualities he has that make him the box to box guy the engine he has the motor he has this is an investment in that you're our guy so maybe it even makes it more clear that as Dan mentioned, we've talked about what positions on the field can you truly, truly elevate this club to a win-a-cup level. There's only a couple of positions that have that level of impact, and usually they're right in the middle of midfield. You know, So it's it's not that anyone ever thought, oh, it's time to bench Paxton. It's, oh, if I get De Bruyne at 31, where does he play? You know, that, It's that kind of thinking that makes one think maybe that's a spot that they could go crazy at. This kind of new contract, depending on what it is, the number it is, but certainly the length of it is a big time investment in Paxton, particularly because when you, the other guys that play that position seeking a settling, you know, he's only got this year on a guaranteed deal. After that, it's options. Brandon Cervania is this year and next year, and then it's options. So the, neither one of those guys obviously is in this point of the conversation in the same boat in their minds as Paxton. So that's what it says to me is belief in his ability to be the guy for a long time
0: yep you know what i just dawned on me while you were talking buzz uh i was giving uh dan options a and b and i just came up with c which is uh this could be a really slick and smart move on the club's part because maybe they really foresee paxton blossoming this year and becoming a big time star and it may be cheaper to sign him to a new four year deal now than it will be this time next mm. year.
2: Yeah, getting ahead of it, if you really think that's true. I mean, I think he's much better, deeper like that. I think he provides so much engine in the midfield and really can drive the bus back there. Uh, and now that they have LeJet in the other spot, they have the freedom to do that with Paxton. And they know they've got LeJet, even though he's 30, they still know that they got a couple more years out of him. So you're not in a. And, and now, because you've locked up Paxton, you know what your spend is at that other spot. And now you have perhaps a little freedom to maybe go crazy in the, you know, and talking about a long-term legit replacement as he starts to age out of the game over the next season or two. You know, there's it's a solid base building kind of signing.
0: Well, I wanted to compliment the uh, uh, club social media team or whatever team it's related to now for the two different Paxton videos they released yesterday. I thought those were both... Good content, as we say in the business. Uh, Paxton, along with Mr. Ariola, Polly Nips, and Jesus, are now at Camp Cupcake, or whatever nickname the kids have come up for at this time with the US Men's National Team. And while we're used to seeing uh, Polly and Jesus at this thing, it's awesome to see Paxton back in a National Team shirt. And I am hoping we get to see him actually play in one of these games.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine that they call him in and not give him something, but they do. I mean, guys go to those kind of camps and fail. You know, what you really want is for him to excel in this camp and make it through more into the normal pool that you'll see as the Gold Cup. Particularly, there's a Gold Cup coming this summer. If Paxton can make the Gold Cup team, that'll be a really good sign for him in terms of his progression with the national team. I mean, one assumes that Paul and Jesus will be there. who They're further involved in the team than Paxton is it would be nice to see him get in there because that's the next big thing, really, is the Gold Cup. Not that it matters like a World Cup does, but it, it's the thing where you can get into a tournament-type environment and try and show what you can provide to whoever the new coach is going to be, or even if it's the old coach. Get, show them what you can bring on a consistent basis. Very good. Hopefully, all the Dallas kids
0: will show well uh, in these meaningless friendlies, although it probably means a lot to them, so I shouldn't read re- reduce them that way. Uh, OK, let's move on. Buzz, this week you did one of your awesome articles that talks about five questions that is taking place as the team is now in spring training. Um, uh, I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to run through all of them? Or do you want to just talk about you know a, a few of them? Or what do you think is the most important part of this that we need to discuss here on this?
2: Jim well, care. the two of them are sort of related. Um, we, can, we can probably have time to go through all of them, and certain Dan can chime in, too, on them as much as you would like to. you So start with the first one.
0: Sure, which is uh, the need for a number nine, which I think we all kind of know.
2: Yeah, well, that's sort of a question, Mark. Um, we know that they need a body. In, ter- in pure, terms, pure roster terms, I always think you need three nines. Certainly, in terms of the way you build a squad, you know, letting Frank O'Hara depart mean you probably want a sort of veteran kind of presence because even no matter how much you like Jose Milato, he's a 20-year-old kid that has not been proven at this level. So you you don't really want to have just Jesus as your only striker that you know is good and that you know you can count on. Now, of course, you can stick. We've seen an Obreon play a nine. We've probably got some other bodies on the field that could do it if they had to. Uh, you know, we all really think, I, I think, I'm sure I, I, you guys probably agree with me that Jose milato has got an interesting side to him. But the question is, what else do you have? Could you have a change of pace up there? Somebody that's different, somebody with some experience that can impart to some of these younger guys. Remember, Jesus is still a kid himself. So the question isn't, do they need a nine? It's how badly do we need a nine? Is it? Is it how does it look early in camp? Is it, holy crap, we better get somebody this week? Or is it kind of like we can buy our time a little bit and see what some, some options might be out there as the window begins to open and because the actual window doesn't open until February for MLS, you know, and you get towards the back end of the European window and guys haven't lined up spots or guys that the teams wanted to sail or now well we couldn't get rid of them to Europe maybe maybe MLS will work. So it's not it's not just the need; it's how urgent that need is that needs to be answered.
0: Uh, and then, I mean, there's uh, several different places the team needs, but speaking, I'll go back to a number nine. Do we have anybody in mind? Like, is there a dream state buzz? A real, a realistic one, right? Like, um, I mean, I guess for, I guess, uh, part of the question is if, um, uh, uh, Martinez, Joseph you know, so Martinez, you know, he became available and ended up at Miami. Is that a guy that Dallas should have wanted or should have made a bid on not knowing if they did or not?
2: No, because in a in the incredibly brutal uh, world of a salary cap team, you can't really afford to have two very expensive players at one position. That's one of the real issue with Frank O'Hara, was that you had two DPS at nine. That that's not really a viable long term strategy. Um, You you want to have you want to have a balance, right? You have two young guys and you want to have a bit of an older guy. You don't necessarily want to look to the, I'm worried that we're going to lose Jesus Ferreira at some point over the next year or so to, Mm -hmm. you don't burn that bridge until you get there. I don't think because it's the, the cap is too brutal. You can't afford to have extra money laying around doing nothing. That's what the problem with Frank O'Hara was, you know? So like, you don't you don't make a move on replacing Jesus until you need to replace Jesus. You, you just get yourself a guy that's got some level of proven scoring in this league, particularly off the bench, right? Because most of the time you're going to have Jesus starting, so it's got to be a guy that's that can understand that he's not the starter yet. When it's time to come off the bench is a threat. Yet when he starts is a threat maybe one that's been around some locker rooms and understands the way the league works. So, so, you know, it could be a guy that's been successful in USL maybe, you know, that might have a change of pace and style from Jesus, maybe more of a post-up body kind of guy. It could be a guy that's an MLS journeyman, sort of veteran kind of presence, you know, that, that maybe hasn't been a frontline striker the whole time, starter the whole time, but yet could do some business for you when you need him. You know this coach is particularly big on um, mentality and how that fits into the locker room, so that'll be a big part of it. But th- there's some, you know, you could go anywhere from like a a good USL guy all the way to like a dude that had taken a step back and maybe was ready to fall out of Europe, you know, or a guy that's just been a journeyman back up in MLS. There's lots of varieties there because you don't want to spend six or seven hundred thousand gold either. You know, you want to get a nice. 300-400K backup in that spot.
0: Dan, uh, Buzz just listed off a very long and very specific list of requirements for this role, which is really starting to filter down the the list of available options, (laughs) the way Buzz defines it. Does anybody in your mind that you can think of uh, even begin to
3: fit that very specific shape? Uh, you, You know, nothing really springs to mind I think my my thought um, with Martinez uh, differed with with Buzzes and that that's a pretty specific mentality in that locker room and what what the coach is looking for and I mean the number of times you you go to practice and uh, Clavio's just had just got off the phone with uh, with someone in Atlanta and they're complaining about the way that Martinez had like you know, told Tata Martino to go fuck himself or, or flipped a table or done something, you know, that's that's not a guy that you want in, in this, what's a very, very happy-go-lucky FC Dallas locker room right now. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I, uh, Buzz, I find, I find your set of uh, requirements, agree- I, I mean, I agree with you, but I think we also all have yeah. to re- realize that, man, you are, that's a, to have somebody that has provenly uh, pr- been a proven goal scorer in MLS is willing to be a backup. Yeah, um, isn't going to cost you a ton of dough. I just man, when I start thinking about that list of stuff that you just—I don't. Does that it's person like even Bruin exist or
3: something like that. Yeah,
2: it doesn't have to be a high-end production goal scorer. It just has to be a guy who's scored a few goals at that level.
3: Yeah,
2: you know, it it can be. It doesn't even have to have been a guy who's been in MLS. It could be oh, a okay. guy who's done it at the mid-tiers of Europe, or at the high end of USL, where you feel real confident. Like, uh, here's an example that I will admit was suggested by somebody in our Discord, and it's a guy named Luis Solniak, who plays for El Paso. He's 31 years old, and he, but you're like, oh, that's terrible. Well, he led them in scoring last year with 16 goals, and he's played for the Rapids and the Fire and managed to score some goals at that level. Now, is that guy gonna come in and beat out Jesus? No. But would he would he take a last shot at a run in MLS for a couple of years for a team that might be building something? Yeah, maybe, sure, he might. I mean, he's from Argentina originally, but he's been in the United States for over a decade now, so surely he has a green card. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is the guy. I'm just saying that that kind of vibe exists out there. You know what? What about like a, a you know a, a guy who maybe had been kicking around in USL on a couple of different teams? It, it can be. It could be a pacey over the top guy. That's different than what Jesus provides. You know, there's lots of little options you can find. Uh, We were just naming. It it needs to be a guy between the value of a DP or like a U22 initiative, probably more experienced, but yet has some value that's worth 300, 350, 400 K. Those guys exist, you know, a Brandon Cervanian style player, but older, a little bit older, probably, you know,
0: Now, this is going to get back to the fundamental of the model and the plan, which is, minus some of the things that you mentioned about, isn't Jose Mulatto uh, basically that guy? Uh, Because he's cheap, he's young, he was scoring for the club that he came from, he's got a ton of upside, and isn't, I mean, where are we as a club at this point? Are we trying to find proven veterans to come in, or are we trying to grow youth? And, and make them productive, not just for this team, but for the potential of selling them on.
2: Yeah, the thing with Milato is is that he is only 20, I think, at this point. And yeah, I'm he, seeing 20. He, he produced at a really nice level for North Texas Soccer Club. That's MLS Next Pro. You have no idea if he can score in MLS. None. That's a high, high risk, high, high reward player. Jesus is going to be missing for the national teams. If you get into the Gold Cup and Jesus is gone for a month. And I say that without looking at the lineup of when it fits with leagues cup. It may be the same time for all I know. Well, then you're listening for leagues cup. I'm just saying that like there, you can easily see a slate of five to 10 games where mulatto is not doing it. And Jesus is gone. And then what do you do? Right. You, you just need yeah. a guy as an insurance okay. policy that is not going to be costing you crazy money. You know, it's, you can't have every guy be about the upside in the future. Every once in a while, you need a Ryan Hollingshead, you know, or you need a Sebastian Nibiaga at 30. You know, you need some of those guys. And I think nine is a spot where that kind of veteran insurance, it doesn't have to be 30. He can be 26, whatever. Just not, not crazy money and not, you know, a guy that's going to cause a ruckus. And Dan's right. The mentality of the locker room is everything it's It's far more likely that Nico will know a guy from you know some club he was with or with, when he was with Columbus or whatever that'll fit the bill better than some of the names I'm just pulling out of nowhere to show you examples you know
0: uh Dan are you with me on the idea that really the position of need is a uh, a, a proper- uh starting center back to replace hedges or uh, I know they got is it pronounced Ibiga, I, Ibiaga? Ibi, Ibiaga, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or are we feeling like that's the guy? Is it Siki? Are we all? Are, are we set at the corner? Cor- I, I don't. I don't think we're the team is set at center back at this point with the guys that I see on the roster. I'm not a big Martinez fan either, but um, uh, I don't know. Where do you stand on that, Dan?
3: So about that, uh, I had the chance to have a chat with Nico and Sebastian Ibiaga this week. Uh, I did was going go to go training, but FC Dallas has always completely shot themselves in the cock and closed training for <laughs> most of preseason. Um, so for the first time in eight years, I'm not going to attend a single preseason training. Cool. Um, but um had a chance to speak to both of them um, aside from that. And something Ibiaga said kind of interested me. I asked him about, you know, the decision to to be a free agent, sign-in to uh, move to FC Dallas, when you know LA wanted to re-sign him, um, you know he he obviously fielded other offers, and he mentioned a change in role. Uh, this is a guy that can play right back, right back. He can play either sides or centre back. Uh, obviously, played left centre back for 120 minutes in MLS Cup. Um, a change in role generally means he's shooting to be a starter. He's shooting to be a star.
1: Hmm.
3: Um. I, how do speaking, you feel about that? You know, fairly confident. Um, I, I've, I haven't seen a, a ton of him. Is two games against FC Dallas. Both times have been a three-one win for whichever team he's been playing for. Um, what I have seen of him, I've liked. He adds a bit of pace. Adds a little bit of height um good presence in and around the box, good communication. Um you know, there is the emphasis of his experience uh being um, you know, the the replacement for for Matt Hedge's experience. Um when I talked to him he he was talking about the idea of of, of pace changes. Um the I mean his his role in MLS Cup, right, was to be there in place of Chiellini to to be a, a change of pace, to add a little bit more pace to the back line alongside Murillo. Um, and he mentioned the cha- a change of pace in the FC Dallas back line of Martinez versus um, Tafaro. Spoke to Nico. Same thing, kind of talked up um, Seba's place in the team. talked up. Uh, talked up Tafari a little bit, didn't, you know, only really briefly mentioned Martinez. So I'm kind of, you know, Buzz has kind of talked about the idea of, of having Tafari and, and um, Ibiaga as, as starters. And from those two conversations, that kind of sounded like the way that they're at least looking at it for this, this start of preseason.
2: That would be absolutely fascinating if that dreams out to be fruition. This is one of the big questions, Marks, that we have. You know, I, I phrased it as, who's going to be your opening day right center back starter, assuming that Martinez, who was a big leader last year and is part of like the leadership of this club in terms of what Nico talks about, you know, I, it seems like it's time, for in my mind, for Nikosi Tafari get, to get an extended run at right center back. Well, that doesn't mean that Ibiaga couldn't be just as likely to replace Martinez. We've talked about Martinez's age. There's a lack of pace there when Dallas has been uh, one of the th- ways they're suspect last year was the a, a lack of ability to deal with pace, hitting those gaps. Everybody tried to do it right, the left back, so that Martinez gap in particular. You know, maybe they're considering a, a Ibiaga Tafare combination. Um, part, that's part of the question too is how are those various combinations working? How good is the new kid that they've signed? You know, how desperate do they become to get a center back now if things aren't working the way they would like them to be working? Or, or are they content to see how the combos yeah, develop?
3: The opportunity to see those things evolve.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's perfectly reasonable to think we want to take some time. You know, as as a coach mentioned, not that he's the one getting players, but he has mentioned before that there's a lot more players available in the middle of the summer for MLS teams because that's the European off season and a whole bunch of players come available that aren't available right now. The market right now is really thin. So it, it may be that a combination of factors means they want to wait more players available. Let's see what happens. Let's give Ibiaga a fair shot. Let's give Nikosi Tafari a fair shot and see what comes out of the backside of spring training or, or the first part of the season. So and big they've, question. Uh,
3: they've definitely uh, talked about, uh, I'm Croatier as being you know not just a guy for for North Texas they've talked about him being like a legitimate part of the FC Dallas roster as well obviously you want that you want five star uh, center backs you don't want uh you know just the four but um it, it definitely sounds like you know while he may not be in that starting rotation that, that that is a that is a depth piece that is is going to factor
0: that's good to hear Dan I just want you to know you made me feel better about Iggy Baja Ibiaga. Ibiaga, Ibiaga. Thank
3: you. I was kind of looking at his his I'm role for uh, LAFC. I mean, he's he is right. You know, he is he is a right-footed player. But uh, Mario very heavily a right-sided centre back. So he, you know, that that kind of forced him to always be the left centre back. So which which is good. We've obviously seen in the past uh, guys who who couldn't fill that role. Their tendency was kind of more hard right than being able to. To uh, to handle the 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 slight adjustments,
0: I'm gonna do the Sesame Street style. ib uh-huh. wait, Ibbi Aga, yeah, Ibbi Aga, Ibbi Aga, yeah, <laughs> Sebastian Ibbi <Ibiaga. laughs> I remember that bit, <laughs> hey, Seba. Man. That's right.
3: Yeah. Wait, that's a
0: problem. We have two Sebastians on the team now. Which so one, one gets is the Seba?
3: Sebastian and one is Sebastien? Okay, but which
0: one gets the the Seba? Uh, nickname.
2: Well, guess is more commonly referred to as Seba. By it seems like when people are talking about him, you know, like they'll they'll say Seba did this, Seba did that. You know, mm. like other players and such. You know? too. Yeah.
3: The, well, at least in the team, I mean, legit's easier for us to probably just say legit.
2: Okay. As long
0: as we got that clear,
3: but yeah, it's going to be really confusing during the season when everyone's <laughs> like, "Yeah, say so this and say so that," and you're like, "Which which one though?" So we use last names.
0: <laughs> All right. Now, the other thing that came up over the course of the last week or so is the ongoing concern that Carlos Grezo may make his MLS uh, return, mm. but it won't be here, Lucci. Damn you! And. Uh, <laughs> And okay, whatever. Maybe uh, Carlos wants to go play somewhere else. Good for him. And he, or for whatever reason, Dallas doesn't want him. Or I don't know. I mean, does Dallas not have any rights to him anymore?
2: No, he. You know not. When you sell a player overseas, he has to come back through the allocation order. Um, right now, St. Louis is, in fact, on top of the allocation order. So wait a second. Jose, Even for a foreign player. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter it's... if
3: you sell a player for profit. Yeah, yeah oh. if it's like if it's over a million or a million and a half, yeah, or something, there is the you lose all rights. Hmm. Dan's
2: right. There's a a price point, so that that means that St. San Jose has to contact if they actually line Grezo up, they'll have to trade up to get St. Louis's number one allocation spot.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, the point to the question was, uh, I. I Six is a position that we all agree is of the utmost importance, and we love us some Edwin. Uh, I think we're all a little curious as to the trajectory of his career. Uh, Faku is a different sort. I know he's the veteran player, and I think we all kind of had mixed feelings about his first season here. But uh, I also want to remind everybody that historically, there are you know MLS is littered with players who came into the league especially from South America and kind of struggled in their first year and had outstanding second seasons so with all that said, Buzz, who a is the starter and b is there any chance that they may bring in uh you know use their DP at the six
2: I think if you're if you were going to use your DP at a six you would have to burn uh not burn buy out Facundo because he's on 800k um and going into his third season his last season on his contract. At 800K, if you're going to bring in a DP, then he would now drop to either second or third on the bench. And that's a lot. That's way, way too much money to be doing that. So you would need to buy him out to do it. In the short run, you know, Facundo at 28 going on, what is he now? He's 29 now. He'll be 30 in May. So he is what he is. He's not going to be any better. In fact, he will start to slow down if you believe that, if you can believe that's even possible for him to get slower, it will be. Uh, he already is not covering a lot of ground. So there's a diminishing return on him that's approaching rapidly. Now, Edwin last year won the job, started out the season really strong, had a lull. Coach went to Facuna for a while. Edwin came back, held it down for a while, but then got benched right at the end of the season for the playoffs. So it'll be an interesting question. You assume that through the nature of progression of players, and Edwin has always taken a step forward every single season, you assume he's going to take another step forward, which means he should – in theory, lock down the starting six job and we should have no more of this bouncing back and forth. If that happens, again, eight hundred K for a backup is too much. You want Edwin to make this progression. You want him to become the guy. You know, is he ever going to be a Jal Paulo level, Michael Bradley level like dominant player in the league? I don't know. I don't think this thing's that high. I think the ceiling is there to be, you know, a 10, 12 year pro in this league at that position. But maybe not an MVP style six, so it just it matters at that point where you, what your taste is in in sixes. Where do you want to spend your money? You know they've got some money freed up. You is right now you've got legit that's going to be eating a bunch of money. So maybe even if you part with Facundo, maybe you don't want to be go spending crazy DP kind of money at the six. Maybe you want to wait and see what Edwin does this year. Again, you can make moves in the summer, right? I hate to say it, but it's a process. You got to evaluate these guys as they get better. Damn you, Buzz! I know it. I'm very content to let Edwin go again and see how he goes because so far. And remember, he we've talked about this on the pod before. He converted to six at old old in the academy, like late 17, almost 18 years old when he started playing six. So he's only been playing that position for three or four years all that basically on the verge of being a pro like he was so learned it so fast that within a year, he went to from nothing to a homegrown contract. If he hadn't converted positions, he never would have been a homegrown. So the guys make pretty steady progress. I got faith that he'll do it again. And on the other hand of the side of the coin. I totally understand the value of a dominant ass kicking six. The best FC Dallas teams have had one. So it's a question of whether do you want to wait or do you, it's not going to be Facundo. There's no way he's too old. So either you buy him out and go get one, or you wait and see what Evan's going to do. Those are your two options, really, in terms of making it better. Otherwise, you're stuck with the standard average play you got from Pagundo last year. I mean, you know, solidly average, not horrible by any means, but definitely not something you can really build towards winning a cup with. I don't, not in my opinion. Uh, with all the other news about people
0: being looked at across the league, because that's the other thing uh, that I did pay attention to over the course of the last eight weeks is just trying to keep a top of the headlines. One thing, it's always it's always fun as a fan to pay attention to what your club is doing, but it is ultimately super important to pay attention to what all the other your your opponents are doing. And it does feel like there have been some really nice additions to the league this year, and other teams are going to get better. Um, and and challenge and it, it, everybody else is working just as hard as you are to get better. Is there anybody uh, out there that is still kind of flooding around that you'd buzz that you'd like to, Dallas to, to consider signing?
2: Well, the New York city center back, but he's going to somewhere in Europe. Um, so he's out, but I mean, he's not signed. Um, Alan Sonora to me would be great, I, I think there's a need in this club because in my mind, Paxton is now firmly entrenched at that leaking eight position. That means there's no backup in, in terms of actual profile. There's no backup here for Sebastian Legette, other than moving Velasco in there or moving Paxton back in there to do something like that. So I think that's a glaring need. Alan Sonora would be great there. He would not be cheap, but that's a position of real quality where it might not be horrible to have two players of good quality. Um, you know, you you might assume that Alan. Uh, Sonora is going to need a little time, even if he comes in to get sort of get a climatized league and all that stuff. So you might not be thinking about like, he's going to beat the world in season one anyway. Um, you know, those are kind of the only two that I noticed that are in the market and available that I think, Oh yeah, the, either one of those guys would be great. I mean, you're not getting Callens. He's gone, but just hasn't nothing officials happened. It just came out like a day or two ago that he was going to back to somewhere in Spain. I can't remember where it is.
0: Yeah, no, I obviously am one who thinks uh, that I would love to have another, uh, opportun- another option at uh, the wing. And the news that Diego Llanes is out there and available, um, or at least, at least in, in terms of what I'm reading on Twitter, which is not a real place, by the way, um, is I, I, that to me seems like a really interesting signing for Dallas one, because of his youth two his skill level three, because he's a Mexican national team player. And I think that would be in a fantastic addition uh, to this club.
2: Yeah. He's not quite Chicharito hype, but he's pretty hype. He could play either wing for you. He could also play that legit, you know, free eight position. Um, the question is it probably takes, according to all the articles I've read, it probably takes about $2 million in salary to get him you'd be burning like a, the biggest chunk of your uh, Franco money right out of the gate at a, and he would be competing with players that are already pretty good. On the other hand, if you're trying to make inroads in Dallas in the, in the Hispanic community, maybe he moves the needle a little bit. I don't, I don't know that he would move it like Chicharito, of course he certainly would be better than Duligo Divino, I think, but we've never seen a lot of transcendent names in terms of really attracting attention in, in MLS, even like, um, Luis Hernandez back in the day with the galaxy didn't really move the needle all that much. Not like Chicharito does. Certainly. Um, the, the question would become, do you believe, does the organization believe enough in that kid's talent that it'd be worth sort of investing in him? Like you have Velasco, like bringing him in with the idea that it'll be big for you over the next three or four years, or even that he could you'd be moved on eventually someday. Now the question there right now is that He's probably on loan. So maybe there's not a buy possibility there. That's part of the equation. Another part of the equation might be if you wait till later in the window and the European options are closing, might the price come down a little bit? Perhaps if Tigris doesn't bite on the two million dollar salary, you know, it's a it's a fascinating name. It would be a new tier of aggressiveness and ambition in my mind for the Hunts to go after a guy like that. Uh, I also don't know how that he jives with uh, coaches. Just clearly stated mentality has to be right. And the attitude has to be right. I don't know that that's Lana's either. Um, that's a really important question that has to be asked among the team and, and the coaching staff before you would actually do anything on them. All right.
0: So let me dovetail that into uh, suspicious or rumor mongering or whatever we want to term this. That's fun. Which is uh, the thing that we saw on Twitter this week that, somehow Velasco was offered, quote unquote, Mm. to River Plate. And uh, I think you said, you know, that's probably just agent noise or whatever, but let's just play that out. Is there a world and a possibility that maybe Velasco was offered to River Plate because they thought they had a shot at uh, Diego Lanez as a replacement?
2: Mm. Well, there was, you know, some of the talk that came about immediately after that was, no, he wasn't offered. And I'm like, well, it depends on who you mean by offer, like, you know, we're talking about um, someone, a different reporter said something about Dallas turning down a European offer for Alan Velasco. Listen, that kid has got legit talent, um, a legit big upside. At some point, someone's going to want to buy him. You know, if it's, I'm sure that in terms of going back to Argentina, he was a little homesick last year. I'm sure there's only two clubs on his list of, yes, I'd go back. River's got to be one, and Boca's the other. You know, even though he was not, didn't grow up with those two teams, those two teams are different. Those two teams hit different. They're, they're a window to Europe of where you see guys go for $30 million, $40 million. You know, those are the kinds of players, if you can go there and succeed, that's, that's different. Playing in front of those fan bases is different. hmm So yeah, I can totally buy that he and his agent would love to get him back there. I can also totally buy clubs in Europe scouting him, probably more likely in a summer window than a winter window, because the price is going to be steep. Maybe a loan short term, which is what was kicked around with River in terms of what was reported. And I'm not saying it's real, but more likely you have to look at a buy and Dallas paid in the neighborhood of what, 8 million ish or so you got to be thinking like what 12 to 15 to pry him out of their hands now because of how well he did, you know, that's what his market price was before, before the market crashed. And, and, and I think Independia even turned down 15 million for him at one point before they got desperate for money in the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I can, I can foresee tons of scenarios where Allen's on his way out the door really quickly and that makes a very, very big difference in whether you can afford Giannis. If you're, if you're loaning him, uh, Velasco, out and getting money back, that changes the dynamic on the $2 million contract. The, if you're selling Velasco for a big chunk of money, that definitely changes your tune and whether you'd be able to get Diego you know, I was listening to the Extra Time guys today, and they pointed at Dallas and the and Gal- the Galaxy as the two places that make the most sense for Llanes. So it will not shock me at all if dominoes fall and all of a sudden Allen's gone and that guy's in here. Do I think it's high probability? No, I really don't. I think it's a very, very low probability. You know, again, I feel like a a player like Diego Yanez is a more ambitious step than the Hunts are used to. You know, when we were looking at Alan Velasco, we were looking at a guy that already was starting to be productive and turn heads in Argentina. Lana's is was pointed out by somebody else has yet to play a single season where he's had a thousand minutes played. He's still a lot of his hype is on hype yet. So that's a riskier move.
0: Uh, can I throw a, a giant bomb? Because I was looking at the roster and I see one, Mr. Justin Che still mm. remains on FC Dallas's roster. Now I over here on the right-hand side, it it is designated as loaned out. I know Justin wants to play in Germany, um, and I know that's his dream and all that. But is there any chance whatsoever uh, there is a return of Mr. Che to come help fill that uh, fourth center back hole and maybe also act as a backup
2: or even challenge for starting at right back? There's always a chance, maybe maybe only 10%, though. Uh, Hoffenheim just promoted him to the first team full time. Uh, Did they? Yeah, this week.
3: All right.
0: Well, good for him. Yeah, so
2: it's far more likely. I mean, that that elevation makes it far more likely because they know the buy is coming, you know, or a new loan or something. They know they have till June. And they've promoted him basically to the first team for the end of the back end of this season. And, you know, I'm not going to call that like a test. That's more of a like, we believe in you, kid, because they've already seen him. He's already played in the Bundesliga before. He had two games already. So that's a, okay, you're part of our future. We're bringing you up. They know the price is out there coming. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I'd be relatively shocked if that were to fall apart and Shea would come back. Dante Sealy, however, is a totally different question. That one's not going so hot. All right. All right.
0: Very good. I'm um, trying to think, is there anything else in here that we want to discuss that we haven't gotten to yet? Um,
2: well, I, I want to hit real quickly on two uh, on two of the younger or not maybe even more of that three of the younger outside backs in general. The first is that at right back now, there are five players between FC Dallas and North Texas. And that doesn't even include guys like Ibiaga that could go out there as well, or even Nikosi in a pinch, right? Or, or O'Brien come back like we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Emotu Tuomasi as your starter. On Whatever, if you want to argue about that, that's fine. Giovanni's coming in to challenge that position for a starter. Colin Smith's been a homegrown for a couple of years. North Texas has just added a right back, and Dallas drafted a guy that they want to convert to right back. That's five guys. Well, the two North Texas spots probably go to the rookie they drafted and the guy they just signed. So Colin Smith is stuck. He's getting screwed here. So he's a homegrown, has been for a couple of years. He needs to go on a loan. Number one guy that needs to go on a loan somewhere, probably in the USL because he's out progressed North Texas. So that's the one young guy I wanted to talk about. And then the other side at left back is even more interesting because we've talked about the need to get Farfan uh, a reduction in minutes. He was second most in the minutes last year. So maybe five starts less, maybe 300 or so minutes less would be good. Okay. Isaiah Parker towards, the, which is the generation Adidas guy that drafted last year. It's gotta be he, him. Well, you'd think. He's out-progressed North Texas Soccer Club, though. Like him playing there, in my opinion, is a waste at this point. Okay, so is it better for Parker to sit second string at FC Dallas and get those three or 400 minutes, or is it better for him who's now going on 20 to go on a USL championship loan also? Part of that question might be, Okay, if Giovanni's any good, Ima Tomasi has been used on the left before. He's played left wing in college and we've used some left back as a backup in a pinch. Can that be enough? Is Nolan Norris good enough to take 300 minutes at Emma? No, I think that was a no. So you have to make a balance uh, in terms of the future development for Parker, who people thought had a future to be a, a national team player. Do we have to keep working his progression at the cost of staying here and being the guy who's going to get far from burning out. So there's a very important question there at left back. You got a lock starter. That doesn't mean they don't have to get important things answered because you got to think about the future. And now both, you can't just screw Parker and make him sit here and do nothing for a year. Right. So tough question to be asked at that position too.
0: Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's always that weird delicate balance between what's best for the club and what's best yeah, for the player. For and sure. the club needs a backup to Farfan. And if that means Parker's got to sit on this butt for extended periods of time and just be ready when his turn comes, because his turn is going to come, then, uh, you know, maybe that's just old school thinking on yeah. my part. I don't know.
2: Well, the, you know, he, he can still go play at North Texas, but... It's just a question of where you feel the value is. It certainly, it very clearly could be Parker for sure. But that yeah. was one of the things that Coach even said: we got to figure out who our backup left back is. Mm-hmm. Is it Parker? Is it Ema flipping sides? Is it Ariola coming back and playing outside back? Is Gabes. it Kamugo? Could he do it? You know, I mean, there's there's guys you could put, put Paxton. He's yeah. left footed. Yeah. I'm just saying, like there's there's ways you can figure out how to get a reduction in minutes for Farfan and yet still keep Parker developing at a higher level, given my opinion, he's out progressed North Texas. This is where that gap's biting you, that lack of MLS next pro being good enough yet is biting you because you got to figure out what to do with this kid. It's an important question.
0: Okay. Uh anything else about the team before we at least on the field stuff, before we move on to a couple of
2: things I wanted to discuss. That's all I got for now. I mean there's a lot of minuscule little questions we need answers on, but those are the big ones for me. All right.
0: Dan, do you want to get off your chest this whole beef about them closing spring training for a week or limiting how much you guys get to go cover the team? Or do you want to just tread away from the waters that will only ultimately end up in confrontation and dislike and hate?
3: I thought I already did. I said they shot themselves <laughs> in the cock and it's the first preseason I left them in eight years.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't know if that was the actual popping of the zit or if you were just, you know... <laughs> Uh, if we need to give it a, a, a little extra squeeze to make sure it's all out.
3: No, nah, I mean, stupidity is going to be stupidity, right? You Look, I, I,
0: do, I do not understand the thinking for any, not just, this doesn't apply just to Dallas. This applies to any MLS team that thinks they're doing themselves a service by limiting access to media members to come provide coverage for the team. And I, I don't, it's the most short-sighted, dumb thing I've possibly ever heard. And trying to keep you two away from the club to cover tra- spring training is will do them no favors whatsoever. And if there were, and if, and here's the deal: if Nico's worried about you guys seeing something and and passing it on have a farting conversation with dan and buzz and say look you guys are welcome to come but here's some guidelines and just set the guys to just blindly blank everybody
2: out from going is stupid it's just stupid yeah I, i could totally understand closing training like a couple of days before you play a game i totally get that but two months before the regular season even starts it's like what are you working on this week like just basic rhythm and not not like this in-depth, crazy, tactical stuff. Any of that stuff you want to do, you just do it when you go to Spain where no one can see it. You know, you, you don't have to do it like the first week when you got a bunch of trialists and draft picks and, and academy kids running around. Uh, by the way, we probably should do a shout out to the four kids that have been in training at some point. That's probably be cool to them to mention them later in the show. But, you know, I, it's I agree. I think it's weird. You know, I I have never seen so much closing in practice with this coach more than any coach we've ever had before. It's just totally baffling to yeah. me. Yeah. Breaking uh, news,
0: Channel 5, Channel 4, Channel 11, and Channel 8 aren't coming to cover preseason training. The Dallas Morning News doesn't have a beat writer to cover you guys anymore. Buzz and Dan are legitimately one of the few guys that are actually working hard to do it. Get smart, do something about it, and fix it. Seriously. This is annoying as shit.
3: The, the, i think the funny part is that the early stage of preseason, most of what they're doing is playing scrimmages right so they're actually on an open field doing that i, I was sitting in my car the other day watching people walking through because it's you know it's a public walkway thinking i could probably just pull my car around the other side i could probably just go walk through there but it's just not worth the hassle and that's not you know the 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 person who was working that day that's nothing to do with them that's why I you know I'm like not not gonna get them and you know I'm not gonna get in that and, and get them in trouble but yeah. uh it was just silly like you know we we go to preseason. we we talked about Nkosi uh, Faro struggles in his 1st preseason and the growth and how that led to like then starting 20 games and 20 consecutive games and everything we We've talked about the growth of every draft player, draft pick, and look at Cal Jennings. How we were both like, uh, you know, you know, we talked about how, all right, uh, Lucci didn't offer him a contract. Buzz and I were both surprised by, you know, the things that he even referenced the defensive side. We both saw that in his game that the the pressing was pretty similar to to Hey uh, Zeus now. Um, it's probably
2: because we said Bartlett was shit last year.
3: Well, it was. Um, you know, there's so many things that you learn in preseason and coming up to the first friendly, you can be like, hey, so from what we've seen so far, you know, this is what you can look for, which helps people look for those things. to we're, at, this, at this rate, it just gets to game one and we're like, well, we don't fucking know.
0: Well, it just helps raise the hype of the team. I don't think I, – I, look, it's not like – Um, Third Degree has a massive audience of a, you know, uh, a national media outlet, But, but for people who care about this club, they turn to Buzz and they turn to you and your guys inability to kind of pass on your observations and opinions based on what you see player by player, new players, old players, the changes in players. You know, it's like uh, when uh, Mascara showed up looking completely different. And we wondered, is that actually Santiago <laughs> Mascara? He doesn't look the same. This makes no sense. Those are great stories, and I, I think it's uh, terrible uh, for them to limit y'all's access to it.
2: So Well, we are getting, boo you his. know, Monday and Tuesday are open next week, and then they play on Wednesday. and and then they
3: leave they may play on wednesday
2: yeah sorry tentatively pencil that in play it on wednesday and then they leave like the week after so like you can't imagine they're going to take like a bunch of academy kids and some rookies draft picks to spain right they're probably going to have maybe not cut downs but the roster is going to be much tighter and so we're going to get like one day chance to see guys and then even if and (laughs) If they're selling tickets to the game on Wednesday, then that means we can go as media people. So at least we'll be able to see one game. But what what group are we getting for that? Are we going to get all 30 guys rotated through for a half? Are we going to get start? You know, it's like we're going to get almost no chance to see this team before they start chopping guys out because they're going to Spain. So, yeah, it's It's a long
0: way away from the days when the club actually invited and paid for you to (laughs) travel with them internationally. Yeah ah it's insane it's Uh, hard to
2: imagine that that was the same organization
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's not we know what happened yeah we know (laughs) what happened it's not uh okay related to that uh well not related to that I want to change subjects which is the other topic that has taken place this is not FC Dallas specific this is more league-wide specific and I don't know if you and Dan have already talked about this at length and if you have and this is just covering repeated ground tell me to uh shut up but I'm I can't express how fascinated i am by the uh incredible what's the best way to say this uh, the circus act of trying to pull off the new mls uh, apple tv oh. subscription platform i, Jeez, I mean based on everything i've heard this is the most precarious high wire act going into the start of the season uh I, we have i could possibly imagine and i I am really, really fascinated and leaning towards concerned about how this thing's going to launch off, Buzz.
2: Yeah, I don't know anybody on the production side that knows that they're doing this show uh, or not. I, I Just today I saw another— What do you con- mean by you don't know if they're doing this show or not? It's, well, any, everybody I know that is a producer or director type that that has worked for MLS for years has not been told either yes or no that you're involved. Oh, so. Okay. And we're now, you know, basically just a little over a month from the start of the season. I just now saw today another commentator announced that he's in. So you who know, they're still—I don't remember who it was. Okay. I just saw somebody today say, "I'm real excited. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to do it." You know, so they're still adding talent. They've hired IMG. Was it like a couple of weeks ago? They hired IMG, which is a big media company out of Florida, and and they've named a lead producer. Well, that guy's an NBC Olympics kind of guy. Uh, as I understand it, which leads you to more of a good storytelling vibe. Well, then the league has immediately put out this, Pablo Maher tweeted it out, this call for stories from the clubs. And basically they're requiring the clubs to produce all this story and give it to them. There's this massive list of stuff they have to put together. And I know for a fact that the guys at FC Dallas are just getting crushed, absolutely trying to put all this together for the start of the season, which is now basically just over a month away. So it's anybody's guess. I do know that below the line, like technical side, they've hired a good production company, a good truck company to handle below the line crewing of your basic people and facilities. But the above the line stuff, the story level stuff, as near as I can tell, it's going to be a miracle if they can get this product on the air in a cohesive, uh, solid manner. And if they pull it off, I'll be really amazed because right now it's still, from everyone I know, a mess.
0: You know, it was the it was the image of Eddie Q and Don Garber on a stage together that twisted my brain in all kinds of directions because it was the weirdest crossing of my universes that I never foresaw between Apple and soccer. I just it just seems so weird, but I, I there are so many questions that I still have about is this a standalone application that Apple is building? Is it a standalone channel inside the Apple TV application? Uh, So much of this still is yet to be defined, and the other part of it that I find interesting from a product ownership and kind of establishing the business point of view is the vast amount of confusion in the marketplace among consumers as to what this is and whether they're interested in it at all i was watching a a, a thread about somebody commenting about this the other day about somebody saying that they are a, not an apple person and they don't they refuse to buy any apple products, software, Ooh. or hardware. And so, as far as they're concerned, they're out. And when I pointed out to them that they didn't have to buy any Apple products to do this, they were like, well, no, I have to have an Apple TV. No, you don't. It's, a, no, yeah. <laughs> it's an app that's available on every platform you could possibly imagine, or you can just watch it through a browser. All you got to do is sign up for a subscription. And they were like, oh, I had no idea. I thought I had to go buy an Apple TV
3: Yeah. Box. <laughs> They're gonna have a massive problem with that because I think we were. Uh, there was a discussion in the Discord and it came oh, yeah, up that's about a, yeah yeah the, I've seen it in there too. It, it came up about the uh, the drop on Thursday night football uh, viewing figures because of people just not understanding how to watch Amazon Prime. Uh, it, it feels like there's there's gonna be an element of that and and really MLS is not isn't doing anything to say it's like the sap button all over again right people couldn't figure out how to get english on uh tudn and now they're expecting people to do something a little more advanced than just uh you know second language sap um you know for for most of us that's fine but there's a lot of you know luddites and technologically (laughs) unadvanced people that are going to kind of be frozen out
2: of this one of my big takeaways is you remember when the, this league this deal first came together the idea that was that mls was going to have this central facility they were going to self-produce they were going to save all this money it was
0: never going to happen before. yeah well the that's season.
2: the thing is now they've gone out and hired a big huge pro- national expensive truck production company now they've gone out and hired a big huge national group to produce all these events for them that's two massive expenditures that they were it was not what they were talking about when they first put this deal together. This thing is going to be bleeding cash for the short term until they get all that economies of scale figured out. And that'll probably take them a couple of years to get going. I mean, building a facility like that is at least a two-year proposition, if not three. It's not happening overnight. It's
0: interesting as they start to reveal all the hosts and uh, play-by-play and analysts and stuff, um, uh, their effort to be diverse is interesting, while also working very, very hard not to have any olds. The fact that yeah. they don't have J.P. Della Camera or uh, Glenn or any of the, you know, kind of old school MLS 1.0 guys included in that list. Uh, I, I think Max Brados may be the oldest dude yeah. out of that entire list of people that they introduced. And I know there's other people yet to be announced and maybe some of those guys uh, and, and gals are part of that list, but based on what they showed off the other day, uh, I'm suspect. My other, the thing that I'm largely most concerned about was. When they finally announced, because I don't think I've been on since they announced this, at least on this podcast and that, the announcement about the pricing, I was shocked at how expensive mm. they've decided to price this at for an opening, you know, for a debut season. Uh, and and I... How and much I, is that? Uh, did you not see it? I
2: don't know. I have a season ticket. I'm getting it free. Oh
0: yeah, dude. It's like, um, it's expensive. It's 13 bucks a month if you are an Apple TV subscriber. So if you're an Apple TV plus subscriber, that's already costing you essentially depending on where you do it, but just as a baseline, we'll say, I think it's like five or six bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. Now they also give you the discounting option of paying for an entire season. That's 80 bucks. If you're not an Apple TV Plus subscriber, it's 15 bucks a month or $100 a season. Now, to put that into perspective, to pay for Peacock to get Premier League, it's essentially like 60 bucks, And along with that, you get all the other content that's on Peacock, whether or not that matters to you or not. So wow. I, I, that to me is—I I was really surprised at the at at the premium pricing they put on this. Now I get it; you get all the games, there are no blackouts, all of that. But man, I, I, they're what I feel like they're trying to do is make up the difference on the people that are getting it
3: for free for being a a a, a, a season ticket holder. Can I play devil's advocate here? Sure. That's the same price MLS Live used to be.
0: And it was—it felt like a ripoff <laughs> back then too. Yeah, that was a lot of money back <laughs> but then.
3: But if you drop, yeah. if you drop the price, you're not devaluing your own product, which is a big MLS FC Dallas-y yeah. thing oh, of a, yeah. you know market value and not uh, not appearing cheap.
0: Uh, well, first off, I don't think it's exactly the same as MLS Live because I remember I paid fifty or sixty bucks for MLS Kick Live back an in the
3: day. Early they would have an early bird special, but if you bought it monthly, it was fifteen dollars or fifteen ninety nine. Because I would occasionally do that, and then it was about if you didn't get the the early special. The year that I bought it for a year, I missed it, and it cost me like eighty dollars. Hmm. Well, I, uh, but you only get to mind. make a you only get to make a good impression.
0: A, a good first impression once and what i'm worried about is because they gave themselves such little runway to get this thing organized get all the right people in place and and get all the technical stuff solved that people are going to pay a lot of money you know people are going to plop down their 15 bucks or 13 bucks for month 1 and it's going to be a train wreck and everybody's going to bail out and just go screw it uh, i don't care i'll watch whatever they throw on linear or whatever like that
3: yeah, uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, you look at the U.S. national team stuff that's going on uh, HBO Max, and people are saying, well, "I'm not gonna pay," I'm not gonna pay $15 a month for that. Oh wait, now uh, you know Telemundo's just signed up the Spanish language rights, so everything's gonna be on Peacock. Cool. I already have that. I mean, you know, I, I go through that with with Luton. I pay just under $200 for a season. Just for for Luton games and there's no guarantee Everyone, they There might be on ESPN Plus. Cup games aren't included. You'll get some teams that opt out, so their games are weirdly not included. Yeah, it's it, it's following your team. It, it unfortunately costs money uh, to to follow uh, a smaller team. It does to follow a uh, a Real Madrid or a Man United, right?
0: Yeah. Well, just to kind of wrap up the conversation, the one thing that came out of the big press conference. Uh, both uh, I thought was interesting and also (laughs) cringy, both surprisingly came from one Taylor Twelman, which is he tried to make some sort of analogy about when Apple introduced the, or created and invented the (laughs) iPhone. And I thought, I was like, oh my God, please Taylor, stop. But there was another thing Taylor said that I thought was super telling, which was Taylor saying something essentially the following, I'm paraphrasing, please don't take this as a quote, but he essentially said, look, what you get in this first season isn't what it's going to be in the future it's a process it's a yeah yeah yeah. and so i i think everybody that's involved in this is critically aware this is going to be pretty wheels off in year one and as they get their feet underneath them and time behind them it probably will improve now whether or not that means it ends up being a success or not is interesting but i what i What I personally, as a media guy and a content creator and somebody that's been in this business a very long time, and I also have a history built into the -the over-the-top industry of streaming, is that what Apple and MLS are doing here is really important for everybody that's a fan of any sports league in the world, because if Apple can make this work, imagine what they could do with a big time league like an EPL or a Serie A, or even more importantly, a major league baseball or an NFL or an NBA, because that is where I think a lot of people in the media industry are facing realities about how people, especially under the age of 35, consume content, and it isn't the traditional ways. And these are the types of models that I think they're really kind of beta testing uh, for a universe that probably older guys like us, Gen Xers like us, would want no part of. But I think that's what we're looking at here.
2: Yeah, it's unquestionably the way it's going, is that those those other leaks are 100% for sure watching this thing closely. This is going to be an interesting model to see if they can make it work.
0: Yeah, success or fail, lessons are going to be learned oh, out of this deal yeah. one way or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And, so, and it may be a failure that other more viable, gigantic fan bases can, they can do different maths at. And so it may be like, conceptually it works. Even if the price doesn't work for this particular league, that price may work if you're the NFL or if you're uh, the EPL or if you're MLB or whatever, you know, those are different equations. You know, it's not always just a yes or no. Sometimes it's different math.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. It's awesome to be back on uh, this little podcast. I enjoy hanging out and talking all things football club Dallas with the both of you. So thanks a lot for having me. For First off, thanks for being patient with me, taking all the time off. But two, thanks for actually going, hey, we'd like to
2: have you back. So thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for being back. By the way, just real fast, quick shout-out to the four Academy players who have got invited to first-team training for at least some part of this so far. Will Baker, who's an 04, Diego Hernandez, an 05, Julian Eyestone, stone 06, and Michael Cortalesa, who's an 07.
0: Cool. Good for them. That's got to
2: be that's
0: got to be thrilling. How yeah. cool must that be? Oh, by the way, did you guys see the news that Real Madrid is playing in the Dallas Cup this I did. year? yeah. Man, that is awesome. He, I, I, Andy Swift, my co-host on The Kickaround, tweeted out, That the last time they were here uh, was after the uh, U.S. got announced for the 94 World Cup. And it also coincides when they showed up and they won the super group and Raul hit a hat trick in the final. The fact that Dallas people, people of the citizens of Dallas got to watch Raul balling out for Real Madrid (laughs) before he went on to become a, like, legitimately the club legend is just the coolest story to me. I just think that's great. Yeah.
3: When I'm going bitty old millennial for a moment Kids today just won't understand What a great goal scorer he was Bro. Yeah <laughs> yeah, uh, That's true, like they don't know the original Ronaldo, right? How hmm. can you not? There's only one There's him and there's Cristiano Tit face <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, we're going to end yeah. on that yeah. That's a mic drop <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. The Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Third Degree listeners get 25% off your order through the end of this month at Soccer90.com. Special price this month only. FC Dallas, U.S. Men's National Team, international gear. Get ready for the new MLS season. Get all the stuff you want, all the FC Dallas stuff you want. North Texas Soccer Club, they got that stuff too. Code Third Degree, 25% off through the month of January, Soccer90.com get yourself some swag
0: uh dan always great to hear from you my friend and uh so thank you very much
3: thank you for coming back and and saving us once again it's my honor
0: buzz thank you my friend congratulations on your 26th season Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. You've been here almost as long, almost, almost, not quite. All right, thank you, FC Dallas curious fans. Uh, we will speak to you next time on another episode of Third Degree the podcast. I said, tit face." Woo,
1: woo, Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. If I can, 25, 25 long hard years, yeah, Buzz Carey, yeah, the man, man, 25 years, you better be giving this man, at least $5 a month, Patreon third degree, come on, pay the man, it's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much, hey, Come on, it's third degree old bust, yes. Give the man some other f- f- money, hey. Third degree, third degree, never can.